0: You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. The countdown is well and truly on. Golf in England is on its way back and players have been feverishly booking tea times after 12 weeks of lonely lockdown. While it's a great time of excitement, and hopefully the weather will stay great for all of us over the next few weeks, it's worth having a look at how COVID has affected golf and what the pandemic's going to mean for the sport as we hopefully finally move out of restrictions over the coming months. What can clubs take out of a tumultuous year and what's lurking in the background to perhaps hand us an unwelcome surprise? Phil Grice is an independent golf consultant who's been at the sharp end of the industry, having spent time as a director of Royal Norwich and chairman of the Golf Club Managers Association. He joins me this week on the From the Clubhouse podcast to have a go at charting the way forward for golf. Phil Grice, welcome to the From the Clubhouse podcast. Hi
1: Steve. Hi
0: Steve, how are you? Yeah, really good. Uh excited. The countdown to golf's return is really on now. And I don't I think it's been about a decade since I last um went this long without playing around of golf. So very much looking forward to get getting back out on the course again. Um, obviously, you were a golf club manager for a long time. You've been a golf club professional, you're now a golf industry consultant. So you've seen the business from all sorts of different angles, and you were um Very much involved in it as the uh, general manager at Royal Norwich during the start of the last pandemic or the the start of the pandemic, should I say, uh, last March. Um, Great time of excitement for golfers and presumably for golf clubs as well. But how do you think the sport looks as we prepare to exit what we hope will be the last lockdown?
1: Um, It's really interesting, isn't it? Because the first lockdown, um, there was uncertainty uh there was doubt there was was worry about how many members would renew and then what happened is we went into 2020 um coming out with lockdown and and because our human rights have been potentially violated by being stuck at home and and all the things that went with it getting out onto the golf course seemed um the furthest end of that It, it was we could get out we're free we can see our friends again, we can get exercise. And there was a realization that, that, that golf is a sport, it's a community, they're clubs. But there was a real light bulb moment to a lot of people, just what playing golf actually meant. And the health and well-being benefits of it really hit home. It, it also, don't get me wrong, it, it got a leg up because it went first, so it, it got out first. And rightly so, um, because it's it, it's safe to get out, and 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 you know you, you're less likely to to pass any sort of uh, COVID stuff on on a golf course than you are probably nearly anywhere. Um, but yeah, so what's happened now is we're going into or coming out, sorry, of this lockdown, and and I think there's optimism. I think there's real real optimism as to how golf is going to come out of it, and. and and what people are looking forward to, and um, you know, even down to the Players Championship the other night, I'm on a WhatsApp group, and there's probably 20, 25 of us on this group, all talking through. It's a bit like we're down the pub watching the golf, but we're all virtually watching it at home. But we we don't normally get that, so I think there's a there's a there's a lovely fervour for golf. You know, the rest there's a lot of lot of reasons for us to be down at this moment in time, where we feeling hemmed in, but I actually. I think a lot of people are really, really looking forward to getting back out into the fresh air and 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 whacking a ball around the field. You know,
0: has there been any positives for golf clubs uh, during lockdown? There's certainly been no positives for for players because we haven't been able to play. But um, and golf clubs have had obviously the revenue problems that they. Um was subjected to uh last March and obviously last November. But is there anything um that, that clubs can take out of this latest uh, lockdown that can help them in the future?
1: Um I, I think there is. Um it, it would be easy to to to, to look on all of the negatives and, and you know there's, there's lots of different ways you can approach it, but there certainly is positives, yeah. There's you know, I think I think a lot of clubs have had time to reset, they've had time to think. Um They've had time to sort of analyze uh, what happened last year. Um, I think this time round, there's been a lot of clubs have nearly furloughed everybody apart from a few green staff and general managers, where the first time round we were keeping things go going. Um, but yeah, from from everything from analyzing, you know, uh, data to 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 knowing that they need to bring in a booking system or they have to use a booking system um i also think that that there's a, there's an abundance of clubs have, have invested during this period into facilities and stuff like that so i, I do think that the that, that certainly the top third have really made headway i, I think there's maybe a, a, a number of clubs at the bottom end of just batting down the hatches um but yeah i, I do think that the, the golf course is getting a rest you know, and, and, and there's a number of courses and, and people I've spoke to one really commercial operation I was talking to the other day. And they're really considering now that, that probably two weeks at the back end of February, two weeks at the start of uh, March, that they will close down for a month um, and actually rest the course each year, that they'll allow the green staff to get on with essential maintenance and actually looking at you know the usage on the course during that time probably does more harm than good and, and the work that they can set into. So it's it's allowed green staff to get out there. Um and, and yes, some clubs have, have have you know kept with essential maintenance, but there is a lot of clubs out there that have set about winter programs and really been quite aggressive. And and, and the course getting a rest and then been allowed to plug lots of air into into the into the greens will really have done the courses no harm, especially after that that severe uptake in in golf last year that that will have you know will have set the courses back a little
0: bit so you've talked to golf clubs that may consider in the future shutting their golf course at some point in the winter to give it a rest that's a pretty controversial stance isn't it i mean golf golfers um have an expectation of unlimited use when they join a golf club and that's obviously a 12 month round process now. I mean, they'll wear it in lockdown, but how do you think they would react if uh, a golf club that you've been speaking to sends out a message to their members and says, um, right, right guys and girls, uh, we'll see you in four weeks. And by the way, please still pay your subs.
1: Uh, I I, um, I see it really different. Um, and And I love you, Steve, you're that golf geek you you care about your club you care about everything and if there was a business case put forward to say that the course will will really progress we can get so much work done in this window of opportunity um i i think that you'd find 85 percent of the members support it i think you 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 absolutely get resistance of course you will because there is there is people who nearly depend on it there is but there's certainly no there's certainly no benefit to being open apart from you know getting a small percentage of your members out there but i think that there's there is an opportunity there to you know to to really really um get the course in or, or to move it forward in a time when you know there's little or no growth and and there's, there's still a chunk of usage on it um but that usage is lovingly your hardcore who, you know, if their heart was in the right place and you were to make a business case and say, look, this, is, this will put the course in a much stronger position for the rest of the year. You know, and don't get me wrong, it will, it will be, it, it's it's a small number of people that are talking about it, but I could see it through, not throughout the industry, but I could see it through like-minded clubs who want to be progressive, who would actually see that, that doing that, you know, even if it's for a two week period, would really give the green staff an opportunity to do some essential stuff.
0: Well, we'll put this to the test, I think. (laughs) When when this podcast is released, we'll soon find out what people think about it. Uh, I mean, moving uh, on from that on a slightly different, but on a similar topic, um, fair use policies are going to be a thing, aren't they? As we we come back out of this lockdown. I mean, at my home club, um, we've instituted um a fair use policy for march of 29th you know I as a seven day member can play a certain number of times per week um as we um as we roll through the next three or four weeks when we're expecting it to be um exceedingly busy are you, are you a fan of that i mean is that the most equitable way of making sure that all members get an opportunity to play in these next sort of four to six weeks
1: i i think that um and i put it there was a there was a uh, a whatsapp group i'm on this morning and it was a it was a group of general managers talking about their booking system and saying that my my club my members or my board wanted to to remove the booking system the first opportunity we can and i put very simply i wouldn't join a golf club that didn't have a booking system and I'd, i'd go as far as to say for me i also wouldn't join a golf club that didn't have a fair use policy um and i know this from a statistical point of view Uh, And I know if I ask, if I ask 20% of the GMs out there uh, about the demographic of usage of their course and percentages, that they will know it intimately. Uh, And unfortunately, 80% of of, of the the management out there probably don't know um, just quite how often certain demographics or or certain uh, groups play Uh, and i know from one set of statistics i went through it's only not so long back that it was it was something like seven and a half to eight percent of the membership of the membership played nearly thirty percent of the golf um and it's not about them being restricted to play that, that i need to be clear on that a fair use policy for me is how many bookings you can have on the system at any one time so as an example, one of the better ones I've seen is I think it's it's, it's four bookings across 12 days. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you can't play every day. It just means that you can only have four on the start sheet at any one time. And by the time you want to put your fifth one, on, well, you've got to use the first one. And, and what that does is that stops, you know, somebody booking relentlessly all the peak tea times. And, and you can't encourage all these new people to come. And the same hardcore of people get the peak tea times. You know, there's, there's got to be a fair use. And, and, and in truth, the only people, the only people that will fight against it are those that want to take advantage of the system. You know, um, and, and what we definitely seen in in the coming out of the first lockdown was a real um, it was an empathy to the fact that. Most clubs, and I know most clubs are going to do it again this time, are opening up the first couple of weeks as nine holes, two lots of nine holes, to maximise getting as many members on the course as once as possible, so everybody's going to get at least nine holes in. and there was a real empathy to, well, I'd normally play at eight in the morning and, and guys that didn't get 8.30 and got 8.45 would really kick off. Well, this time around, they, they kind of didn't. They were booking in at 12 o'clock and they were just happy to play nine holes. And and I think coming out of um, th- this lockdown, I, I think that we all have a time to reevaluate and just think how lucky we are. And, and you'd have to question anybody that wants to get, eight or nine bookings across the next 10 days um, uh, and at the restriction of somebody who's maybe been at work or, or got a difficult time and he's only got a limited opportunity to play. So it is it, back into that fair, it's fair use. And it, it's, there isn't any really perfect way of doing it because every club will see it differently, but I would really like to think that it's something that clubs will bring in and, they'll constantly review it they'll they'll ask their members for feedback and and you know one of the things that from every forum there is these days and don't get me wrong there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there so you can't take everything on board but what we are used to these days is is, is allowing our feedback to be heard so for me if a club brings a fair use policy and they should also be reevaluating that every 12 months and going to the wider membership and and really getting an understanding of, is it working and and how do we make it work better yeah because yeah, yes for me it's it's key
0: because there's no point is there i mean we've been screaming as an industry um for the best part of a decade and a half to arrest decline um we've now done that um not of our own making Uh, a pandemic has brought these new people to us but these new people won't stay if they can't get to play and and that's a really important point i mean you know the days of the golf club member who just came to have lunch and sit in the clubhouse and while a few hours away is gone you know these people who are coming to play and i'm one of them you know we pay our membership to play that's the point um and if we can't get on the golf course we'll go somewhere else where we can so that that's that's not going to go away is it no, steve and i think i coined it the other night
1: on a on a another group that i'm really scared and i mean this in a positive way so i don't want to sound a doomster but i'm really scared that we sell more tickets than the seats on the train uh, and, and it really worries me that that clubs are getting that there's going to be a tsunami of golfers there's going to be so many people who want to get out there and 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 the people that scream the loudest it doesn't mean you should listen to them You've got to make sure this is fair and and we and we work it so that we retain these people this year is going to be absolutely uh, knock out the ballpark but over the next two seasons will we have just reaffirmed perceptions that i joined that golf club i could never actually get on and when i kicked off about it or when i went to speak to them um they just didn't listen and they didn't listen because they didn't have a a mechanism in place and, and as i said to you, that that booking system that fair use policy certainly the booking system if you don't have a booking system you can't measure anything you can't measure usage you can't measure when you're going to be busy um and, and it and it makes it impossible if you don't have that data to to come back to you know i i, I had somebody questioned me the other night and he, he was asking about uh, a fair use policy and, and could i outline it for him, and i was doing that and he says ironically the guy that shouted loudest he says we know he played 139 games in 150 days and he'd he'd been out and he was the guy that didn't want it, you know, Uh, and, and, and I understand, you know, the clubs are always going to have them people and they're loyal and stuff like that. But actually we've got to be progressive uh, and, and inclusive, and we've got to listen, you know, we've got to talk to these new members that come in, find out why they never joined us before find out why they have joined us, have the joined us out of necessity, have the joined us because they've fallen back in love with it, what is the reason for them being at the club and, and let's make sure that everybody gets a, a fair go, everybody gets a, a fair crack and that's that's just about clubs not being scared to deal with a bit of conflict, yeah so so what you'll get Steve is is golf clubs will uh they'll, they'll get an element of conflict and, and unfortunately that that conflict means that people kind of run for the hills a little bit and and hopefully hopefully they'll they'll find uh the factual data that allows them to negotiate to to debate with people you know that that in essence let say golf clubs last year When people were looking for rebates this time around, one of the things I've sort of challenged them to say is, look, take a look at your numbers, see how much golf was actually played. Now, you and I both know that golf club roundage actually went up even though the courses were closed for a period. So actually, the members that were saying, well, my club was closed for two months, in a lot of instances, in the vast majority of instances, they actually played more golf than they've ever played. So they technically got more value you know um so it's it 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 is about having data and it's about having facts and 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 it's you know it's appealing to the empathetic side to people because you know we are we are generally in the making clubs and communities and that's something that I think that they've really got to work on coming out of this is not just going back to being one-trick ponies that just offer golf you know I think that there's I know with my friends you know having a beer afterwards or just sitting around and and having a chat I I miss that every bit as much as I miss playing golf you know so for me golf clubs have have got to move into move away from being clubs and become hubs become community hubs where people get a lot more out of it than just a game of golf
0: yeah we we talked uh, very briefly earlier on about um, the the uh, well-being impact for golf's return on golfers um, and obviously as we return to courses um, a lot of those concerns will ease I'm interested in your point of view um, on the mental health and well-being of golf club managers um, because um, they've had a hell of a year um, you know multiple uh, closures Lots of things that they would never ever have considered that they'd have to do furloughing, shutting up hospitality. Um, you know, we're coming through um, a terrible period for us as players, but the stresses for golf club managers are just about to intensify, aren't they? Because they're coming back into what's going to be, as you called it, a tsunami of players. I mean, do you worry about fatigue amongst your peers? Do you worry about how they're going to? get through another ridiculous summer after last year's ridiculous summer and after all the things that they've experienced i
1: I, what's happened across all of the clubs they they've they've taken the opportunity with the government scheme to to furlough a lot of people but the person that is still in post in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of places is the manager so he's still speaking to committees he's still holding board meetings he's he's still going on site and checking everything's all right um he's still trying to keep uh some sort of contact with his team and 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 the guys on the ground that are still guys and girls that are still in there um i I think from the un if you look at the roller coaster that they've been on from the unknown period last year when we were into lockdown and there was a, a sense of panic and a sense of fear so that there's a there's a, a an increased heart rate and a stress that come with that and then we we had to pivot uh and and become more agile in our booking systems in how we got people out and don't forget all through this you're bringing in new standard operating procedures you're trying to change things round within the club to make the club safe um, what what people don't understand as a general manager that they think that your your first duty of care is is to the club and it, it truthfully it isn't and this will be controversial your first duty of care is to the team that you employ and their health and well-being so straight away they are worried about their team they're worried about the people around them there is an element of conflict that comes because you've got Older members and people have been told you can't walk this way, you've got to follow that one way system, you can't do this, you've got to get on a booking system. It all comes back towards the GM, who's director of golf, or the the secretary who's trying to manage the expectations of the members, he's trying to manage the well being and health of his team. And then you turn the corner, and it's the busiest summer that you've ever had. but your bar menu is restricted people have got to sit down some people are ignoring it uh, and people are kicking off and coming to you so the number of interactions through email through conflict of you know telephone calls and you're on the end of it and then the next thing that happens you know is we go back into another lockdown clubs are not green to this and this time around they've kind of furloughed everybody and you're kind of been. You've been the captain of the boat, and everyone's got off, and you're the only one that's left on it. And and so so now suddenly you're you're not abandoned. Don't don't get me wrong, but you are in a lone situation, and and you need to be motivated. Um, and and you need who's the guy that puts the arm around you if you're putting your arm around everybody? And I think then managing the expectation coming out uh, because we're going to go back into being busy. Um. I just think that I know how poorly I was performing at Royal Norwich at the back end when we'd done the the pandemic stuff. We'd we'd moved the golf course. We'd done everything. I I was I I reflect now back on being a bit like a zombie. I, I was there every minute. I could be. But in actual fact, I don't think that was that effective, and, and and the best thing I could do was, you know, was to decide to take a rest, come out, and and and, and move in a direction I'd want to do for a number of years. But when I look back now, um, the the pandemic and all of the stuff that went through, that was the straw for me, and and I see it with a lot of guys out there at this moment in time. They are, you know, they're they're the shock absorber between you know the wheels and and, and the rest of the car, the membership and and everybody are there's a lot of stress on on the managers and and i just don't think the people around them um really get that i don't think they get that at all
0: so what what can we do then as members to make this transition back as easy for the golf club staff as possible um that's
1: a good question steve because it's um you you'll get a lot of managers want to seem like that, that there's uh there's a weakness there but there is from from the well-being and the health side of things um I, the, there's a lot of support mechanisms and you know the gcma have set some stuff up and bigger have done and the pg have done all the organizations have set them up there but i, I think that they there needs to be a, a recognition of that and and nearly an enforced um period of you know uh trying to make sure everybody gets some help i think that the the, um whether it's the captain who's the chief exec for the year or whether the club's you know got a proper board and, and that the chairman and different people around them need to understand that these people have have been at it and are now going into it so it is making sure that you've you've not cut everything to the bone um staff wise and suddenly what you're expecting in most cases is that your general manager, he's like the conductor of the orchestra. Um, and, and he's he's there to watch what's happening. He's there to to make sure the different parts of the orchestra are doing what they should be doing. Um, what happens in truth is they're not conductors of orchestras, they're one-man bands. They've got cymbals between their knees and drums on their back. And they're expected to do a 100 different things and I think that the boards and committees have got to make sure that the GMs are doing no more than the hours that they're expected to do, that there is a support mechanism around them and they're listening to them, you know, and, and looking out for signs of stress and not actually making any rash decisions or, or forcing forcing them into a position where there's going to be a lot of conflict, a little bit, like I say, taking away a booking system when you know that 85% of the members want the booking system. And actually what it does is it, it, it just increases the number of emails. You know, It's, I've said, to, I think I said on the last podcast, when I left Royal Norwich after nine years, I'd had over 57,000 emails in nine years, was on the bottom right-hand side of my outlook, um, which is, I went through a project. So I was doing essentially nearly three things at once. Um, so that that definitely lifted it, but I don't think anyone realizes that, you know, when the GM goes in, um, you know, if he's got twenty five or thirty emails to answer, that's that's a three hour job in most cases, especially if somebody's asked something quite searching on an email. It's so much easier to pick the phone up, but some people, you know, they're asking for stuff like that, and and unfortunately, the the different communication styles we have nowadays doesn't actually always make it uh smoother and quicker and easier and i say if clubs have cut themselves to the bone and they've removed staff what you can't have is the gm going back in and he's, he's a part-time starter he's, he's a part-time gm he's he, you see him behind the bar and he's a great guy because he's behind the bar but that's not what you're paying him to do you know so it's make sure they've got a support mechanism around them and make sure they've got the budget it's no different to and i'll pivot here you know the golf courses if they're going to have an increased usage this year. Are you, are you going to increase the staff on the golf course? Are you going to increase the budget? Are you going to increase the maintenance budget for, for the golf course? Or are we actually going to just put much more golf out there? You've seen the bigger report. Um, you know, and, and there is a knock-on effect. If you put all that golf out there, there will be a huge knock-on effect to uh the playability and, and the standard of the course. And if you pivot that back again that is that is no different to the people in the system so if, if we're going to say that we're going to be 30% busier than we've ever been are we just saying that staff will just absorb that there'll be 30% more phone calls there'll be 30% more emails there'll be 30% more conflict um how how are clubs going to deal with that or are we just going to be old-fashioned golf clubs and pretend like it's not happening because we're just going to have to play golf you know
0: Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities out there as well. I mean, we've rightly focused on some of the challenges um, that uh, golf clubs are going to face from March the 29th. But um, the sport, domestically at least, has probably been in a better place than it's been in a number of years. We, We talked a little bit earlier about that arrest of decline in membership. We've got new players coming in. Um, I saw a report um, across the pond that the viewing figures for the Players' Championship final round had been the best in years. I mean, the people are really focused on golf at the moment, and we need to capitalise on that, don't we?
1: Absolutely. And and I said to you, what you've got is you've got a lot of, uh, and, and I'm always questioning whether there's more golfers or there's the same golfers playing more golf. But, but whatever way you look at it, there the, the has to be some more golfers. And, and for me, it's really interesting to look at the new members that have joined and to look at their age demographic, to look at what it is, question them, um, questionnaire them when they come in, find out what it is they're into. Um, there is a real opportunity to, to, to grow our offering. And in everything from a from a quiz night to, to junior golf academies to all sorts of stuff, there is there is an inflow of people. Um, and, and I'll tell you something, Steve, which is really interesting. Is nobody really talks about it at this moment in time, but but golf practice. Um, golf practice, as somebody who's been a, a golf golfer for 30 years, um, practice when I started was going on to uh, a field with a bag of balls, knocking them down one end. Pulling them all back in, putting them in the bag, and knocking them back down the other end, and and it was only it was only your geeks, it was only your people that really wanted to get better, or it was only those that were so rubbish that they felt they had to get better, that actually really practice. And then the birth of the driving range come along, and and there was an uplift in people that that went with the surge in, in the late eighties and the nineties. But driving ranges have become, apart from that, the, the busy busy areas, they've just become a place where I won't say geeks, but but. You know, it's the hard call that goes there, really. Well, what has happened over the last uh, 24, 36 months is the birth of tech going on the driving ranges. Um, I mean, that is going to be that's going to be as big for the game as adventure golf is. And real golfers look at adventure golf and they think it's, it's a comedy. But, it, but I, I can't tell you more. It's one of the single most important things that's ever happened to our game adventure golf because families are getting together and they're holding a golf club for the first time and they can actually do it and it's fun and the next thing is to go oh well, should we go on the driving range should we go on a par three should we because it's it's all part of the same family and actually as a family having an experience going on the driving range now uh, and and there being a screen and it's showing you how far you've hit it's bringing together Top golf. It's bringing together ten pin and It's bringing together things where, as a group, you can actually hold a golf club, and it's all part of our customer journey. It's all part of how we get people into golf. You know, people don't wake up one day and say, well, "I tell you what, I'm going to join a golf club and play golf tomorrow." That's just you don't. If you do, you're you, you're one in a million. You know, most people somewhere along the line get encouraged to go to a range to to somewhere and they stab at it. Well, the fact that these ranges now have tech, I know from a number of the big groups that when they first went to putting tech on there, literally their ball usage doubled. It doubled overnight. And I, I went up to to Silvermere. I used to work at Silvermere many years ago. Um, it, it's the busiest on-course golf store in in, in Europe. And uh, Tuesday afternoon, we went down there to look at the. I think they've got Top Golf in there. Uh, not top golf. They've got top tracer in there. Sorry, and we went down Tuesday afternoon. There must have been fifty people waiting. It's a two bay, two tier range, but there must have been fifty people waiting at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. And you go, like, that's just not normal. But what it was is because they've got screens in every base, People are seeing where they hit it. There's different games you can play, and and that's opened the door. And, and now, I mean, do you see?
0: Now, do you see golf clubs fill going? full top golf on this because at the moment still ranges are in general are a little bit separate um from the from the golf clubhouse because of space or design or whatever i know some of will be closer than others but i mean the, the the whole top golf experience isn't there is that you you get a few balls you have some fun you have a couple of beers maybe or a or, or a drink or a coffee you know you have a meal there i mean mm-hmm. can you can you see in the future clubs trying to integrate that a lot a lot more I mean at the moment I would say the two things are very separate aren't they but they're there's a halfway house currently with the tech you know you can I can go to my golf club um uh or I can go to our golf club and I can simulate pebble beach for example and come off feeling like I've had a round but I mean do you think that that link between driving ranges and hospitality is going to become a lot closer
1: Massively. Um, I think you might have been on the golf pick uh, stuff the other day and, and there was a couple of the guys mentioned on there um that they've started now selling their range bays in time so they don't sell range balls anymore. So you'll book a slot. So so that now hits its time bound, it hits its an experience because me and you are going to go and book a bay from eight to nine tonight. Um yes, we can order a pizza, yes, we can we can have a long driving competition, we can just practice. You, the 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 choice is, is huge and, and, and you touch on it top golf was kind of the first version of it, but now with track man, with top tracer, all the different uh, techs. Um, if you're a really good player, you can go down there and have half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, whatever time you choose, to set out exactly how far you hit hitting certain clubs. You can do the tech from the highest end of looking at your, your ball spin rates right through to the furthest end of me and you go up we're just having half an hour we're going to have a long drive we're going to have an accuracy test we're going to play pebble beach or you go to the other end of as a family of four we can go down there book a beer for an hour have competitions have a bit of fun we can order pizzas yes we can bring a beer and i think that what's happening and i certainly see it with some of the big groups out there now is that they are Really taken that forward, and and don't get me wrong, you, you'll have driving ranges in 10 years' time won't have tech on it, but there's ranges now that I thought would never invest that kind of money into the tech, uh, but actually overnight they're doing it because the evidence is there of what it does to to the to the usage of the facility. It, it's making practice into being a bit of fun. And so your good golfers are going to get better because they're practicing more, but actually i come back to at the bottom end. And the point of the conversation was to move from adventure golf as a family who's first had it. There's now a reason because of the tech, because, because our youngsters live with tech. It, it's, you know, every one of them has got some, you watch the schools. when come out, I watch my kids when we're picking them up, everybody's coming out. They've got a phone in their hand, you know, so they're used to seeing it they you know, from the Tiger Woods games on the, on, on the PSPs and all them sort of things. Um, it, It's what people expect. So to be able to go out there now and and it takes practice from being fun right through to the point where as a really good golfer is somebody like yourself, you want to know exactly how far you at your five iron. And actually there's a reason for doing it now. So the first thing you're going to do is if I was, it would be, to I haven't hit a ball for however many months. You're going to go up and, and and practice and and look at actually how far you're hitting it. That data is 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 invaluable. So I'm too
0: geeky, it's... Phil. I'm too geeky, Phil. I've got a net <laughs> right in my backyard. I mean, I mean, as soon as I've got a day where it's not basically gale force winds, I'm going to be out there I'm hitting foam balls into a net and getting ready for the first comp. Are you um are you optimistic about golf now? more optimistic perhaps than than you've been for a while some of this change has been forced on us and obviously you know we I mean we could spend another podcast talking about changes in tradition and changes in dress codes but that's but that's for another day Um, but are you optimistic that golf as a sport is set fair um, after the pandemic we've had this um, boost unexpected and not in the circumstances that we want but there we are um you know we've got it and we're we're trying to make the best of it in the ways that you've outlined but are you are you sort of um do you think the sport's got a brighter future now than perhaps you might have thought half a dozen years ago
1: yes and no i've always i've always felt that that golf was measured wrong that golf is measured uh, uh in the newspapers and in most people by how many members of golf clubs there are seven eight hundred thousand whatever in the uk but uh, sorry in england where in actual fact it was circa 10 million people held a golf club in one way shape or form and that's the measure of it the measure unfortunately is why is over 90 percent of people who pick a golf club up not a member of a golf club now what is happening is it's transpiring after the the last lockdown that that there was a bigger inflow into membership uh, and and there was more people wanting to get out and use it so i've never been negative about it i'm more positive i was positive and i'm even more positive now what i sincerely hope though is that clubs don't take this free lunch and just go well that's great we've got new members and that we reaffirm some of the the perceptions that were there uh, before all of this you know things like dress codes have got to go you know you know the situation we created at Royal is it is a phenomenal facility it's a it's it's a lovely golf course it's a beautiful beautiful the stables is a beautiful building we have no dress code and I in my town that we never had any reason to speak to anybody about not wearing anything you know because golfers just don't you know the golfers dress for golf they dress comfortably um and, and things like that we we've and um, when we get rid of a dress code we should actually sing about it and i know it's a double negative but we should sing about it that we you know we would tell people we have no rules we have no phone policy we have no dress code because people do behave you know and, and i think the time for for these boundaries and stuff like that that's long gone and we should we should steal this positivity and we should sing about it from the rooftops but i say to you, clubs clubs need to just chill out and relax and and be happy we're back be happy we've got new members um and and treat them in a way that they want to be treated, um and not in a way that you tell them how they should be treated.
0: always enjoy having a chat with you phil um usually illuminating and um just the same in this case thanks for joining me on the from the clubhouse podcast
1: thanks for giving me the opportunity steve thank you <laughs>